Darmstadt on Air number 10 Visibility in Electronic Music Sebastian Berbeck and Kohan Erel in Conversation Welcome to Darmstadt on Air, the podcast of the Darmstadt Summer Course with conversations on music and experiment. My name is Silvia Freidang from the Darmstadt team and I give a very short introduction to episode number 10. In each of our podcasts, a tutor of the Darmstadt Summer Course meets another person and they talk about a topic that is important to them. Sebastian Berbeck is a pianist and electronic musician who gives workshops on electroacoustic performance practice here in Darmstadt. He invited the electronic musician Koran Erel to be his interview partner for this podcast. They met in September 2020 in Berlin-Neukölln in Sebastian's living room. Kohan Erel is also based in Berlin, but was born and raised in Istanbul. They talk about performing electronic music on stage. And that does not only mean how to bring the music onto the stage, but the question actually is how to bring it beyond the stage and to the audience. In acoustic music, sound generation and body movement are corresponding. But in electronic music, it's often different. And the question here is how to make clear that it's music making and not just controlling. We hope you enjoy listening. All right, Koran Erel, welcome. We are here in my Hi. living room in Berlin, Neukölln. And we will do a podcast on visibility yes. in electronic music. And uh, if you could tell us who you are and yes. what you're doing. I'm a self-taught electronic musician um, who was born and raised in Istanbul, but has been living in Berlin since mid-2014. And I'm active in experimental electronics, improvisation, sound design for dance, theater. I, mean, I do electronic sounds whenever they're needed, basically. When did you start uh, doing electronic music? Well, if we consider any sort of electronic sound generation, it goes as early as 1986 mm -hmm. with a Commodore 64 computer. And it moved on from there. You know, over the years, it developed kind of organically without much thinking. I just you know, jumped from style to style and then finally landed in, like the, in the beginning of the, to the 21st century, I landed, uh, found myself enjoying improvising with electronics and then that's how and, and since then I've been doing it primarily Was there a moment where you thought now I'm a musician? I think yes I think it was like 2006 Why? because I had already started the ensemble Uslakepek uh, which means wet dog in Istanbul, it's an it's a improvisation ensemble, free improvisation. Uh, at that time, we had six musicians. And we, had, we were already booked for the Akbank Jazz Festival in Istanbul, which is a pretty good festival, mm -hmm. international and everything. Mm -hmm. So, and that was the moment that, yes, now I'm like, okay, if I have managed to do this, I mean, I had played in festivals before, but that was my... You know, I was finally, I knew that I want to do, do that. And I was having, I had a band, 
and I had I could do nice things with that. And that was the time I think when I felt official, like approved, <laughs> yes, whatever approved that means. Musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how would you describe your work? Are you working with hardware? Are you are you sitting in front of a door? What do you do? Um, when I started, like. In the 90s and everything, it was just, uh, I mean, I had synthesizers, which I played. I produced, like, not so good drum and bass and jungle stuff with, like, an Akai sampler. And I come from a hardware background, basically, because at that time, the computers I could afford were not strong enough to do anything. And they, most of them, couldn't even record audio, really. Uh, so I was basically using a desktop computer as a MIDI sequence and then using, like, a Yamaha synth and a Quark synth and to, you know, do whatever I could do. And then I, with the, and before that I was actually, funny enough, the Amiga computer was able to do audio. So I actually first did audio with the computer, then moved to MIDI, and then moved to audio again with the computer. And then in 2004, I purchased my first laptop. And then I was a laptop musician for a while until actually the end of, I can't really remember, but like, 2017 was the time I started transitioning to a hardware setup again because mm -hmm. I was kind of tired of laptops. I mean, I never played the laptop as someone who looked at the screen on stage. I was always, I always avoided that. But still, the laptop was first. It wasn't as stable as it used to be, and for me at least. And second, it was, it gave you too many opportunities. So uh, this is all personal, of course, but then I wanted to like focus I wanted to be limited because I was having many projects. This is already when I I'm in Berlin at this moment now, like this transition moment, and I was doing a lot of uh, projects. And then those projects, actually, the laptop was more practical in a way, but then it wasn't because it it, it got confusing, and so I decided to move on to a, a more hardware based setup but which still had computers like it I always I was still I was already playing an iPad which is hardware but it's actually a computer and then I brought an organelle Kirchner guitar organelle which is also a computer but it doesn't look like a computer and it's very limited so that's how I moved back to you know hardware when you say you were never the computer musician who looked at the screen uh, so that would mean you used controllers Yes. I basically intentionally avoided having the screen in front of me on stage. I played com uh, controllers, MIDI controllers of all sorts. Like I played, when I was with a laptop, I played the, the Nintendo Wii controllers. Yeah. And I also used the iPad as a controller as well as an instrument. Before that, I was using a joystick and then a house pad as a MIDI controller. So I like tactile co uh, controllers, but I wasn't so much into like developing my own super tactile physical uh, controller because I wasn't also too keen on being extremely gestural on stage, like, like right. not wave. Like I didn't, I never went the connect route. All right. So now we are already right in the thing of visibility. Yes. So exactly. why um, why would you choose not to use the screen first of all? Because for yourself. Or because you thought it doesn't transcend the music to the people listening? For several reasons, because uh, my experiences of experience of the laptop performance, as I saw in mainly in Amsterdam when I did a residency at Stein in 2005, that was the first time I really saw a lot of 
I mean, sorry if I sound offensive, but most laptop musicians look really boring on stage. Sometimes they look really bad on stage. I mean, I have seen people pick their noses and like scratch their heads, which is which is fine if you do it at home, but on stage it doesn't translate that well. And uh, second of all, if this is this is all personal opinions, of course, but an improviser should be present on stage and not watch TV. Like if I am to improvise with a saxophone player and with a cellist and with a drummer. I should be present with them. I don't. It doesn't mean that I'm looking at them all the time. You don't have to look. But if you, if there's a screen in front of you, you look. Not many people can avoid looking at a screen. You just look because you're used to looking at it. So therefore, and I, at least it was the case for, for me. So I said I don't want to look like this on stage. I want to be more focused on the music. The screen doesn't tell me much anyway because I was never like this complicated Max MSP pure data person anyway. I was using like Ableton Live and Ableton Live doesn't tell you anything about the music you're playing mm. unless you're using it the way it's supposed to be used. And I wasn't using it the way it's supposed to be used. So I thought like all this, it made me more present and it, it actually really paid off. I mean, it really, I was also appreciated by the musicians I was playing with. So you put the screen, so you have the computer on stage, yeah. uh, but you put it somewhere else, maybe under the table and you have a setup where all the controllers are set yeah. and you know what you're doing. Yes. Which means you have developed a sort of an instrument, a yes. controller instrument. Yeah. So you put that extra work in it. Yes. In order to be to be there. Yeah. I don't like starting from scratch when I improvise. I like repeatability. It doesn't mean that I play loose, but I, I like like I want a certain gesture to sound more or less the same. Like it will never sound the same because I use samples and you scan through the samples and they, I can't with the controls I have I can't be like super precise, but I don't want to because I know with any gesture I know that I'm going to get the same texture. Even though it doesn't always sound exactly the same, it's going to sound pretty much the same. But the texture, the dynamics will always be the same. So and I can repeat this like when I when I reach to this pad over here. I know that if I move my finger a certain way, it's going to sound more or less the same. That's something that I envy because for me as an interpreter of other people's music, I don't have this one setup that is my instrument. I'm mm. constantly changing things. You have developed your own instrument and your own setup over the years. Yes. That where you now say, if I'm going there, I know what's going to happen. I mean, yes. And um, does that change? Uh, it evolves, of course. Yeah. But like when I design a new instrument, which means like it, I only do it when I change platforms. Like I, with the laptop, I played more or less the same instrument for seven, eight years, maybe mm -hmm. even longer. And now with the hardware, I'm also like with my basic, very lightweight Impro setup is this has been the same since 2016. Basically, I haven't changed it that much. I mean, I tweak it. Sometimes I realize that this could have been better, this, this gestural response, or I change sound sometimes. But it stays more or less constant. Like major changes happen every like four or five years, maybe. I've, I remember this uh, Facebook discussion, and I think it was twice in the last half year where you asked for hardware things. How do you like this one reverb? Or yeah. how, how do you yeah. like this? Yeah. So, so do, things do change. But of course, there's this other case. Like you, I also am active in many other perf uh, projects where I need other setups. Uh. 
Like this is the improvisation thing, right? I go to a festival I, or I play a small gig in Berlin and I improvise with that. But then I also, for example, I've collaborated with a dancer in two pieces there. I don't improvise, I do other things. And there I use other equipment. And with, with, with this uh, uh, visual artist, drawing artist, and plus he does also a lot of mechanical animations. With him I have this project called Nervous Entanglement. With that I have a completely different uh, setup. Right. right, I understand. And like, so that, that's why, like, and I was not too, like the reverb discussion was basically, I wanted something that was hands-on, that didn't have any menus, that didn't have any key combinations. Yeah. And I finally actually found it again in the world of modulars, modular synthesizers. Even though I was avoiding it, I was in it, but then I left. But now I'm back in it because I realized that it was only there, these effects units are available in a manageable size. You will go broke in a very short time. No, I won't. No? No, because I, I, I will limit myself. I, I, I know. Because I, even then, even when I left, it, I, it, I didn't have like two cases of modules. No, I'm only joking. Yeah, um, no, but I know what you mean. When I, you say when you say you don't want to sit behind the screen, mainly because you want to interact with the other musicians. Yeah. How is it? Um, do you do you think? And you say if you have this one gesture, it will sound like this. Do you think that the other musicians and the people in the room will? will get that as well. So, uh, what I mean, this one gesture changing this sound is that, I mean, because it's probably a generic MIDI controller, like a nano key or whatever you yeah, use. What, what do you that. use? Well, I use a, a Keith Macmillan Cuneo, right. which is looks like a generic MIDI controller, but it's not really. It has 16 pads, yep. which makes it like a drum pad, but the pads are pressure sensitive and XY sensitive. So they're like a surfaces that I can move my finger on press and hit yeah. so it's not a very precise controller but it's quite tactile and it has gives me with one finger I can uh, control three parameters at the same time plus velocity so and I know for a fact that people I have had this feedback from many people musician non-musician that they could relate to what I was doing on stage they could match the sounds with my gestures, and they also enjoyed my body language. Right. I was. I received this uh, <clears throat> like uh, compliment or feedback only uh, two days ago when I had my first ever synthesizer impro uh, concert at Jose Contemporary. My first time ever playing a synthesizer and impro thing. And again, like even though I was using an actual keyboard, which I really don't know really how to play, but I do in a way, in my own way. Still, I got this, like they were able to correlate my body language with the way I, what I played. And it's not something I practice. It just happens automatically when you're playing tactile. It's just playing a saxophone. Like you can tell a person playing saxophone that they're playing a saxophone, the notes and the dynamics and the, you usually can tell. With me, it's also the same. So very often uh, uh, the critique with electronic music, and, and understandably so maybe, is uh, that the gestures that the musicians make are just not as expressive as the ones from from a trumpet or from a shadow or whatever. Yeah. Which is probably the reason why the uh, why the visual aspect was born uh, from bands like Tangerine Dream or or Kraftwerk and yeah. whatever, where they decided, okay, we don't, we just don't have a big uh, stage 
presence with what we do because we are only turning on knobs. Yeah. And um, so we need to have something. How do you how do you go about that? Because you're well, you have. I mean, the Cuneo is not really big either. It's uh, probably the size of a, of a small sheet of paper. So how do you go about it that you have a very small thing as opposed to a shadow? And a very small gesture can change the sound dramatically. Does that mean that you exaggerate with your body language the gesture or the pressure that you're applying? Because the pressure that you're applying is probably 60 grams from 0 to 128, 7 I mean, it's 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 in a way like the piano, huh? You play the piano. The piano, you don't have to use a lot of force, or you don't have to be exaggerate the way you play the piano. <clears throat> depending on the, unless you're like playing something seriously dramatic, like Rachmaninoff, yes. which you have to like kill yourself, like you have to be in pain, you know, at least fake it. Uh, but with me, I mean, I just I don't think I basically I never do things on purpose like I don't want to look cool on stage or to look very I just play like sometimes when I am not really happy with the setup I also can look quite boring and not do much but when I'm into the music and I'm improvising I just do things and I sometimes watch videos after and it looks like I'm really playing something and it's this state my my I think the, the main kind of main advantage maybe I don't want to like call it an advantage but my tabletop is open there's nothing between me and the audience there's no synthesizers there's no modular case there's no mm -hmm. screen that they see this I do it on purpose right yes. I don't want them because because I think I've always thought that the audience would appreciate it better if they see and this has been proven through millions of times now yeah. like it's it's a fact now for it's my fact that the audience likes seeing it. And it doesn't mean that I do like very dramatic gestures. No, I don't. But they still see it. They see some person sitting at a table doing things with their fingers. I'm, it's painty fingers. And then sounds come out. And they also usually like the sounds too. So and they kind of yeah <laughs> they 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 see this correlation between the gestures and the sounds and they I mean they 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 don't have to solve a mystery when they watch me. So you do see that as an should I say advantage of you as a as a as a performer that you think about this and that you that you make an effort to to make what you do visible to, to, to people and that they understand what, you, what you're doing, basically. Yes. I, this was the promise I made to myself in, as early as 2001, when I really started developing the instrument, that I will have function like an instrument, I will not use a screen on and I will have, like, I will have dynamics, I will have preferably uh, like a limited three constraints, like not all, because like, I have many micro instruments on these controllers and mm -hmm. they don't go all over the place usually, like with one side. I don't play like five different layers of sounds. It's just very simple sounds usually. So like I basically didn't want, because for me, when you improvise in a collective manner, you, just, you, you, you cannot cover all frequency range. You cannot also cover all dynamic range. Then there's nothing left for the other musicians to lay, live in. So that was my, like, those were my principles and I did my best to stick to these principles over the years. 
So we have a, uh, quite a new range of, of controllers now, like the Roly C Seaboard, Roly Rise, and you mentioned the Macmillan. Do you see a development there? In, is it getting better? Uh, I am not. I mean, I haven't really played the Roly, but I think it's more for like actual keyboard players. Otherwise, it's not. A, I mean, it's 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 a bumpy surface. Huh? You can't move your fingers on it. It's yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, generally, I mean, if you if, yeah. you, if you see ten years ago, fifteen years ago, all we had was a, was a really sliders and and, and keys and and uh, and turn buttons. I mean, I turn think buttons. yeah. I think yeah. I think I don't see an amazing advancement. No, because no. like twenty years ago, more than twenty years ago, Mike, uh, uh, the founder of Stein, I. Uh, I f forgot his last name now. Michael Weisfest, yes. Mm -hmm. He was using an instrument called the hands. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of this instrument. I've seen him play it. It's an old instrument. It's decades old. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's very tactile. Yes, it has this. It is. He's always bound by a cable to the computer and everything. But still, he was. It was an instrument, right? Nowadays, the most of the controls are basically either they're imitating existing interfaces like the Roly. Or they're basically blank states, like the the uh, Roger uh, Lin, Lin instrument, yep. and or the Sansel Morph, which imitates yep. a Buchla surface, yep. which I have, which I like. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, I'm not dissing them; they're great controllers for what they do. Some have weaknesses, some have advantages. Like I, I personally have the Sansel Morph, and I like it so far. But I don't see like in the commercial market. A breakthrough controller, as far as I can remember. But like what I what I mean is, first they are available and they are affordable, and and it is a plus when they mimic something that you might already know. Because otherwise, I mean, we see at Nime, at the conference, we see all these controllers, and but they're brand new instruments, and you would have to learn everything from scratch. Why not? If you're starting over, if you're like a self-taught musician like me, it's an advantage right. that you don't actually study with a weird piano teacher for 10 years yeah. and get traumatized. Well, <laughs> you can self-traumatize. It's a joke, of course. No, but trauma is a source of creativity. Yeah, of course. Of course yeah. <laughs> We're in the year of Beethoven. Yeah? So, um, it's no, look, I'm not dissing those, they're just simply not my interfaces. Like, I don't feel at home with those interfaces. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to learn to get around with a keyboard when I use a Roly. I don't want to. Uh, some for some other people, it's a great in, in like for you as a pianist, it might be an amazing interface. I don't know, I can't be the judge of that. But with me, I like flat surfaces that I can move my fingers and put pressure on. I always like that. I feel at home. I also like joysticks. Right. But for some reason, the joystick has never become a, like a mainstream controller. You have to always jump hoops to turn it into a controller. Mm -hmm. like you, for example, you cannot use it with anything other than a laptop. I mean, yes, maybe you can build like with a Raspberry Pi, you can probably turn it into a MIDI controller, but then you have to build stuff and I don't like building stuff. I mean, I can if I want to, but I don't like to. Right. I would rather, like, because I don't want to be the engineer and the musician at the same time. Because I personally, I think it takes away from the musicianship on my own, in my own way of working. Like, I 
don't I've never been a big fan of the DIY music world. I also, you know, for me, it's I, I basically I don't like focusing on the process. I always focus on the end result. Like what comes out of the speakers matters for me. I don't care how that's created really. It doesn't mean much to me. Like these super expensive hardware. Like I also have these things. It's not that I'm dissing, and but I like what I use is less important than what I create, as far as I'm concerned. Well, with the joystick, I think we do have the problem that nobody knows what you're doing because you're pressing buttons on on a very complex machine and action. Yeah. Anyway, and and for me as a pianist, Rolly Rice doesn't work at all. I use it more as that as that surface thing, and I, yeah. and, I, and I really like it, and I do like the visibility. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we were talking that you do care a lot about that. How uh, about about what it looks like? How much do you care about what you look like on stage? I mean, how do you how you dress and how you go on stage and how you present yourself? These are really interesting questions because these these two things are the things that I really think about a lot, like in my musical life, like how I play the instruments that are not actual instruments but they are my instruments, and then how I look on stage has always been important to me, especially like of course like in, in the beginning I didn't really think about it. I was more focused on the instrument part, mm -hmm. but then I realized that. You know, the stage, no matter how serious or like as they call in German ass music, you know, like serious music you're making, I think looking good on stage, and I, when I say good, it's your definition of good. I, there's no way of defining it. But basically what I define good or stage ready is looking different than what you look in the daily life. Yeah. That puts well, you in, in, in opposition to, to a few, um, to quite, quite a lot, quite course. many musicians. Of course, yeah. Which there, Especially uh, in the improvising scene? Yeah, maybe? especially in Berlin, yes. But uh -huh. uh, it puts me in opposition with almost all male musicians. Uh -huh. Like yes. female musicians, and I female is a very broad sense, like it includes all people who define themselves as female or non-binary which I am also one, they usually pay more attention to what they wear. This doesn't mean that they wear an evening gown and put heavy makeup on, which they could if they want to. But they, they, I think, look, let's always put this in a person. I feel more ready. I like the, I like the feeling of presenting a show to the audience. This doesn't mean that I do over-the-top things, I don't do any tricks or anything like that, but I like presenting myself as someone who is prepared themselves for the stage. Do you think that might take away or that gives people the notion that the music is not as important as it would be if you wouldn't do that? It has, I mean, if that was the case, I would be a very unsuccessful poor musician, but I'm doing quite well. So I guess it works, or it may be, but this, I, mean, I am doing it for the audience, but also for myself, right? right. Mm -hmm. I, I just, it may, it prepares, like some people drink a shot of whiskey, some people probably sniff Coke, some people drink a beer, I like dressing up. It doesn't mean that I do over, sometimes I, it depends on the project, like I was playing with a bunch of uh, musicians, uh, a Sun Ra concert at Zoviso, 
And I knew that these musicians would just appear the way they are normally. I told them, like, look, and I was their guest. Look, this is a Sun Ra concert. Sun Ra dressed up for stage. You can't come up on stage with your jeans and boring shirts. You have to do something weird. It's an, if you don't do that, it's an insult to Sun Ra's and his spirit and everything. So I will not play with you if you just come up as boring dudes. And they loved the idea. They like asked their girlfriends. They you know they took help from people, and they it, they looked good at the end. And they felt good. They told me that they felt much better on stage. Do you take uh, do you do you have somebody who advises you on on fashion or? Uh, I ask my partner sometimes, but I I I do it myself usually. You know I mean? Did you even uh, uh, develop a stage persona? I tried when I was, I, I had a brief period where I played techno mm -hmm. in Berlin clubs and then I even had a stage name, but I didn't. Which was? Which was Ayşegül, which is a female Turkish name, All right. and, but it's also the character of this, this series of books that are originally Belgian, Hermione is the Belgian girl's name, mm -hmm. and it's this really pretty made up very feminine girl having adventures but always girly adventures right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it's like super sexist book and i wanted to take this girl into the uh dirty world of clubs right yes yeah? because she would never go to those techno clubs mm -hmm. that girl so i just you know at this it was kind of a joke and there i just did it a bit over the top but then i never really warmed up to the club culture it wasn't my thing all right no And I, I don't think I was also a particularly good techno artist anyway. Uh, I still like listening to techno. I, I would, if I had the time, if I had the, I could still imagine myself doing something like that. More in the lines of the the labels like Pan or like Rastash, Noton, like, you know, I like those kinds of things. But anyway, I tried doing this, but normally, no, I don't have like a specific costume that I wear, no. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay, last question, and that is again a technical question. And uh, since 2017, you moved more to hardware. You said. Yes, hardware, whatever it means, it means not a controller attached to a computer, but a device by itself or devices by itself that has that have knobs and buttons. Well, it is uh, they are attached to a computer, but the computer doesn't look like a computer. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it could be a, a it could be an analog device as well. I have, yeah, I have, I mean, I, I am mainly a, I am mainly a recording person. I work with recorded sound, sampled right. sound and recorded sound. I, all my, almost all my instruments are based on this. A very, like, only one pad on one of the instruments is actually a FM synthesizer that I did in pure data. Right. The rest are basically like recordings of things or locations or whatever objects that I've accumulated over the years. So the the synthesizer you played with was then a, a, a new Prophet X or a Nordwave two or it was a, it was a, a, the Ashen Sound Machines Hydrosynth. Oh, nice! Mm -hmm. Yeah, can that import samples? No, right. that was the first time I played actual synthesizer. That's why because I actually like synthesized sound, but my interest has always been on like the manipulation of recorded sound, right? Which I think personally is still a much richer world than synthesized sound because you can do really like any any sound is your material and but of course these recordings can also be synthesized sound it's i'm not limited to 
city recordings or you know, you know animal sounds or object sounds. And uh, but now I mean with this techno thing, I was also of course I had some synthesizer with me, which I'm now gotten rid of, and I will get rid of more. But uh, this, I just chose this hydrosynth because it gave me an interface that I could feel at home with. Mm-hmm. It has a very, it has a very different. It has an 80s interface, like the Sonic synthesizers in the past and samplers. It has, it's a very playable synthesizer. It has, it gives you macros that you can control eight parameters at the same time, eight of them. Mm-hmm. It gives you polyphonic aftertouch. It gives you like really like it gives you a lot. Right. You know, it's a digital sounding synthesizer, it's digital, but I don't care. I don't care about analog to digital. I, you know, I really don't. Um, so you chose it for the for the expressiveness of the yes, for the interface, the ease of interface, and for the control possibilities. Like you can transform the sound with one knob, right? And then also with the expression pedal and the polyphonic aftertouch and the the pitch wheel and the, the modulation stuff like that. Everything can control everything else. But if you have macros, so I mean that sounds like it makes it again difficult for the people to see what is happening. So is it less the direct thing of that they see you doing something and understanding what it is, like you would do if your shellist plays a vibrato? Or is it more than your bodily Uh, way in which you use that thing because I mean if so, if somebody plays a trumpet I don't know all the time what they're doing yeah. at, the, at the same I time don't so, think so maybe that's not the paradigm it's not the paradigm that you have to understand everything but it has to be that you as a performer makes it visible that you are doing something on this thing now yes and look this is a new instrument for me so I can't claim anything about it it was my first ever um Uh, performance. Still, I got complimented by one person who themselves is a musician that they liked my body language when I was playing the synthesizer. So I guess I was able to convey this right. also, although I didn't really try to do it. Uh, the macro thing, yes, I mean, it is like that, but uh, at the end I'm turning it up and With the synthesizer, my aim is just to focus on this playing the synthesizer and making it into a complex sound source. The, the, the body language part, the, the expressiveness will come later. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't be like that. Maybe it will be a different instrument where I will less look, I will be less physical. I don't know. Right. Very last question yes. and something else. Um... Or, or uh, a very from the technical, technical thing. Uh, when you go on stage, what kind of uh, person do you want to convey? An approachable person or, an, or a diva or, uh, or, or nothing the like? I don't think I am a diva. No. Uh, I am usually, I think, I hope, an easy to work with person. I think I've realized over the years is that I mean my personality and my way of working really depends on the other person. I was more, sorry if I interrupt you. I was more thinking about how do you want to present yourself to the audience. Ah, no, I, I one thing I really also enjoy doing and I think important. I always talk to the audience before the concert. Mm-hmm. Always, I say a few words. Yeah. I always like thank them or say hello or make a maybe an icebreaker, say something silly because I, I have this. Uh, I I don't know if it's a skill or a gift, but I can be a very ridiculously funny person. 
and I can do lots of word games, and I do that. I like tease them, sound kind of like a drag queen, maybe even. Like, But, you know, why do you do that? Because I think it welcomes them. Right. It brings them. It pulls them in. Mm-hmm. It means that it tells them that I'm a human being, and I'm like with them, you know, on the same level. And I'm not this. I'm not this unapproachable person. I I can and I can also be even an idiot, a silly person, like a funny person, you know, critical, cynical person, you know, any anything, whatever I feel like that day. And I like doing. It. I like you know having this brief exchange with the audience. It, right. It's it's not that I do a monologue for 10 minutes. No, it's just maybe one or two minutes. But I do it. All right. Yeah. Very nice. I think that's it. Yeah.